coming up on Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. What I've noticed over the years, you only know less. There's so much you don't know. I've seen people that are business executives that don't meditate and they look more yoga-like than the yoga teacher that I met at the studio the day before. Because they're so focused on taking care of themselves. Whether it's their routines, whether it's focusing, okay, I need a break to take care of my emotional well-being. Looking forward now, I look on the piece on how well-connected someone is to themselves. Are they in their body or are they kind of like out there everywhere? And I'm sure we know these people, yeah? The hyper-stressed can't even look at you in the eyes for more than two seconds. And then you have the other people that are just, okay, I'm here with you right now. Hi, my name is Brad Franco. I'm a yoga trainer based in Cologne, Germany. You can find more about me at bradleyfranco.com or you can send me an email to team.bradleyfranco at gmail.com. And this is my episode with Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat with your hosts, David Clancy and Kieran Dunn. This is a podcast about high performance. What we are striving to achieve is to figure out what makes high-performing individuals tick, why they do what they do, and why they are successful. Enjoy a journey of stories, lessons, and learnings. Today we spoke with Bradley Franco, yoga trainer and mental leadership coach. Brad moved from Orange County, California to Cologne, Germany. We asked why to open up this very insightful dialogue. Currently, Brad is training FC Köln of the German Bundesliga with regards to their athletic program, movement quality, yoga, flexibility, mobility, recovery protocols, breathwork, meditation practices, and so forth. He also teaches yoga privately in Germany and online, very much grounded in his education in psychology. Brad highlighted the different mentality between a player and an athlete from his perspective, what a good yoga teacher does, and the benefits of a yoga class across different age groups and backgrounds. We dived into the differences between online and in-person engagements, the other big positives yoga gives one that often are not highlighted, and also how to build yoga buy-in into a routine for skeptics, echoing a recent chat with Craig White on this show. Brad highlighted the value of quiet time, solitude for oneself, elaborated on interoception, and also what a typical week looks like for Brad himself, which was really interesting. Bradley Franco, thanks a million for jumping on the Zoom today. How are you doing today, sir? Doing well, thank you. How are you? Very well. I'm going to say something. You're probably like, what? Really? <laughs> I actually was in Cologne, Cologne a, a long time ago with my dad for a Centurions, Cologne Centurions. I think it was like the European equivalent of the NFL at the time. Oh. And, I, and I remember there was a cathedral. We spent time in Bonn and places like that. So it brings us to the piece as to why there? What is it about there and, and this Bundesliga <laughs> team? And, you know, we're really curious about that. Okay, before I start, the question is, did you like Cologne? A lot. Yeah, from okay. what I remember. From what I remember, yeah, the, I do like it. The Dome. The Dome is <laughs> yeah. very impressive. Um, yeah. Pretty place. Yeah, we had a great time, actually. So, okay, so to give you context, I try not to make this the longest story ever, but um, I ended up teaching yoga in California. I'm from California. 
And I went on a meditation retreat because I wanted to learn how to meditate. And I'm not this spiritual hippie yoga guy. I can't, I can't deal with this, but I wanted to just to learn how to meditate. And I met a few people that had done this meditation retreat. It's called Vipassana. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's 10 days of silence. It's, it's insanely hard really, but it's, uh, but it changed my life. So I did this. And from there, I figured out that I really wanted to teach and travel kind of around the world. And then I just ended up having a little bit of a vision statement and a little bit of a focus point on the fact that I want to travel, I want to teach. And I got the opportunity to move to Florida because I was teaching at a studio. And this woman comes up to me and just tells me how much she loved my class. She's like, okay, you're a rock star. We're going to be in touch. Something's going to come out of this. And I just sat there like, okay, whatever you say. Honestly, within, I think, uh, eight months of the meditation retreat, I moved to Florida full-time to teach yoga. Then from there, I met a friend who's German, and she had never done yoga before. And the first thing I told her, I said, I think you need to meditate. You look a little bit wiry, and, and I think if you meditate, this will help you. And she's like, no, I'm fine. I'm happy. And I said, well, let's do yoga. I give you a free lesson, and we see. And she really ended up falling in love with it. She told me she lived in Cologne. She told me... Uh, this is a kind of a cool place and there's a lot of yoga here. And if I want to really go and travel, Cologne would be a good place. But uh, being American, being from California, you don't even know what Cologne is. I think I only knew Berlin, maybe Munich. Uh, and that was, that was about it. And so um, she gave me a few better insights. The fact that from Cologne, you can really travel throughout Europe. So I said, you know what, let's give it a try. I will try. I will show up. And I ended up moving there. And um to anyone that listens, they're going to hate me, but I, I really hated Cologne for the first, I think, six, seven, eight months. And I wanted to move back. Yeah, because, I mean, California and Orange County is where I grew up is much different than a city life in Europe, where in, I, Germans are very um, straightforward. There's not a hello, how are you? Let's talk. Let me give you some, some good energy. It's more like, hi, ciao, hi, bye. <laughs> So, so it became more of like a, a very big learning process. And, um, but I'm really glad I didn't leave because it, I end up now being able to teach a Bundesliga team. I ended up being able to create a bit of a community here in Cologne and it's, yeah, it's great. I really enjoy being here. So that's kind of the step-by-step process of what happened. A great journey. No doubt. If you're looking back, what led you to go on the Vipassana? Is that, am I saying it right? The yeah, they retreat. Oh, what, what was it that forced your hand to say, I'm, I'm doing this? Uh, all right. Two, two completely honest comments. One was a girl <laughs> that I met and she was really cool. It's always a girl. Or a boy. Yeah. I mean, that's also how I got to yoga, by the way. <laughs> I, there was a girl too, and I was very interested and she was interested in yoga. But yeah, to come back to the meditation, she told me that this was really cool. And then a guy that I did my yoga teacher training with also had just come back from this meditation retreat. And he basically was going on about how incredible it was for him. So, and that's how it started. And I just said, I said, F it, I'm going to sign up. And I'm, I was super scared because you have no phone, no key, like you have nothing. You're, you put your wallet, your phone, your keys, all of this away in like a locked box for 10 days. And you're just with people and you're not supposed to look at them. You're not supposed to uh, speak to anyone. You're just sitting with yourself 24 seven and meditating, I think 10 hours a day. We recently had Craig White, who went on a bit of a self-discovery after still very actively involved in the rugby world, but when he kind of changed his career and he spoke as well as to the power of 
finding solitude and that silence for him understanding and building self-awareness and, and understanding where he wanted to go. What did you find about yourself in that time? I mean, 10 days, 10 hours, no phone, no interaction, no talking. What was it about that moment in time that really helped you find yourself in terms of what you wanted to do next? That's a really good question. So, I mean, I suffered a lot because every, I'm a talkative guy and every day was just like, really, if I can say the way, it was just hell. It was like, okay, I'm leaving today. I have my car here. Okay, tomorrow. I'm leaving tomorrow. But the, I think with, with the Give me the keys back. Give me the keys <laughs> yeah, give back. Me the, give me the, yeah, yeah. This is a bad idea. Quick. And a lot, but a lot of people left, by the way. I think there were 30 people. And I think at the end, there were less, I think there were less than 20. Oh, wow. Like so, so. It was hell week. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's it's really hard, and and for some they go on this crazy spiritual trip. For me, it was more learn how to focus on on meditation. And what I came out of it was um, that I can really focus on my breath on a deeper level. This gave me a, di- a deeper like. There's this uh, podcast called Yoga Medicine, um, which talks a lot about um, like Yin Yoga, Fascia, and the benefits of yoga. And there's this thing called like interoception this interoceptive capability to better understand your inner world through yoga. And I think meditation gave me this better interoceptive capability of my mind and my breath and being able to use my breath to just go, okay, calm down now or focus now and just, just look at it. You don't even have to take a big breath, just look at it. So that was really helpful. So you arrive back, you've done your 10 days you come back into people around you. Did they notice a change? I can talk. Yeah. 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 Looking at you. (laughs) All right. This will sound a little bit nutty. Um, So yes, they noticed a change. I think when you go through something that intense, a lot of people have this glossy eye gaze and they just look (laughs) different. They look like, they look like the monk on top of a hill and you're just going, are they part of this world anymore? I don't know if I want to be around them. So I wanted, I actually wanted a lot of silence for the first time. I felt very neutral with my emotions. Like I was, I was dating someone and I felt really like, okay, I don't mind if we date. I don't mind if we don't date. I'm just in my own world right now. Um, but the very, the very weird part was it had to do with electronics. So when I came out of the, um, out of the meditation, I went to my phone and I could feel that I didn't want to turn my phone on. And the second I turned my phone on, this was a very strange thing, but like I saw the lights and I looked at the text messages and I could feel like a part of my brain kind of activate that I hadn't activated in more than 10 days. And it felt really strange. It felt like, oh, there's that addiction principle coming back again. So for the first week, I was really good with not going back onto technology and just using it sparingly and meditating every morning. And then after that, I kind of came back to the real world. When somebody does get very diligent at the practice of meditation, and like you said, interoception, and really understanding the power of solitude and what it can do for somebody, like you've done it, Craig's done it, we haven't quite done it. Um, <laughs> you're, you're next. <laughs> but human beings are wired to be together, right? Belonging, community, relationships is very important for us, right? Neurophysiologically, all those sort of reasons. Where is the balance for someone that goes on that expiration of 10 days, understands that it's really beneficial for you, but also the fact that, well, actually, I need to engage with people in relationships are probably important for my well-being as well. I think it's really important to learn how to integrate meditation into your, into your relationships, into your daily life, if that makes sense, maybe a little bit deep. But how can you kind of be in a meditative flow state when you're with people? 
how can you use that? So that would be my question is what can you do to, when, when you're in the middle of a conversation, it's very important to listen and to actively listen and to, to feel part of a community. But sometimes you also can check in with yourself, with your body and with your mind and go, am I present here or am I thinking about my job that I have to do in five minutes that's stressing out? How can you find your way back to presence? And I think that's actually the meditation. That's the piece. I don't think, I think finding solitude is important for everyone. If you live in a society where there's, where the society is built upon the help of others, like this flat or the way that you have the microphones that were built from a company, right? These things are not going to be because someone's in solitude. They're going to be because we have to work together as a group with people. So I think you should meditate in solitude, sure. Maybe take your time to go to a little retreat, whether it's three weeks or even really crazy. There's 60 days of silence or something. I, I would never go that far. But I think those are helpful. But you have to come back to the fact that uh, we are made to work together to survive. If you're thinking about you get away for these retreats, you go somewhere else, you find maybe that in that environment, you can have that silence and you can get away from technology how much did that shape where you wanted to be when you came back? Did you come back, Brad, and think, I have to change my environment? Maybe I have to change the people that I'm hanging around with, that I'm spending time with, because this isn't beneficial or it isn't helping me cultivate the life that I want? Ooh, really good question. You guys have great questions, by the way, <laughs> I have to say. So what, what I think is really difficult for many people, and this is something that I've learned, because I've also done quite a bit of coaching with emotional intelligence and, and things like this for high performers. But for myself, <laughs> I am someone that wants to go, okay, zero to 100, let's change everything, get rid of the table, the chairs, the friends. But I think it's about step-by-step -step integration as with anything. Taking the slow growth path is the most beneficial for yourself anyways. And if you try to get rid of everything, you're not necessarily going to, you might crash and burn. Mm -hmm. So from, for what I noticed when I came back, I realized there were a few, I wanted to go more into the yoga route. I didn't want to hang out with people that weren't yogi-like. <laughs> um, and so that was helpful for me, but I didn't change everything radically. I just wrote a vision statement that this, that I want to teach and travel. I wrote kind of pretty detailed how I wanted it to be. And I started focusing on that. And then step by step, it came. With eight months, it came. So I, I really think that people often escape their current life because they're not satisfied with it. They go to three-week vacation or retreat, and then they come back thinking they want to fix everything instead of looking at the internal place. Because the internal is what we have to change always first. And then the external can change. Yeah, that piece about slow growth, we'll have to come back to that maybe with the football team, but we'll park it for a minute. Yogic-like, you, you use that language as well, Brad. I just want to pick on that kind of what do you see in a person when you can kind of say that person has probably practiced a little bit and maybe they do meditate as, as part of their practice. What is it about someone as to how they show up that you can kind of sense that? Well, let's say this very yogi-like. It's a vibe. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's uh... <laughs> I think what I think we we can pick up on on the way people are, right? We can pick up on their their energy, but it's not always going to be fully accurate. But I think with um, I wanted to connect with a lot of people that knew, to be honest, a lot about yoga, and I wanted to connect with people that seemed to have this understanding of self reflection, um, a bit of a meditation practice because I was learning this. However, what I've noticed over the years. Uh, you only know less. There's so much you don't know. So what I've noticed is I've seen people that are that are business executives 
that don't meditate and they look more yoga-like than the yoga teacher that I met at the studio the day before because they're so focused on taking care of themselves, whether it's their routines, whether it's focusing, okay, I need a break to take care of my emotional well-being. So looking back, I focus on the actual yoga piece. Looking forward now, I look on the piece on how well-connected someone is to themselves. Are they in their body or are they kind of like out there everywhere? And I'm sure we know these people, yeah? The hyper-stressed can't even look at you in the eyes for more than two seconds. And then you have the other people that are just, okay, I'm here with you right now. So that's what I would call yoga, like the presence of here right now. When you're moving then into footballers, into elite sports people, do you find that initially there might be resistance or do they think yoga is, again, another tool that they have in their arsenal to get better? What's the sort of first reaction you get? You've got a mix. You've got a real mix. Everyone's individual and unique. So you've got some people that are going, what the hell is this yoga stuff? Is It's meant for girls and nice yoga pants that I'm going to stare at. I don't want to do this. Or I'm not flexible. I'm too stiff. This doesn't make sense for me. I'm, I'm not made for this. You know. And then you have the other ones, some of them which are open always. You have this like athletic mindset where they're focused on being a complete athlete rather than just a player of this is a thing I stole, by the way. I didn't get this. Um, the guy I'm working with said, there's a difference between athlete and player. Player is the one that just wants to play football. They don't care about anything else. They don't care about the upper body training, the extra recovery time. They just want to play with a the ball. Then you have the athlete that focuses on everything surrounding that. The extra training time off of the pitch, the time to focus on their mindset, the time to focus on their mobility and their joints, the time to reflect, visualize, et cetera or go to physiotherapy and, and get support. So I think you really have these, at the moment, I, I'm focusing on seeing these two types, though I don't like putting people in the complete boxes. And then you, you see where, where these stand. With the players, some of them are very open also because they've done yoga before back in the day. The younger ones have actually had, because yoga has become more popular, uh, they've become, okay, this calms me down. So they've, they've actually created this, um, how do you call it? Uh, classical conditioning of the second you come into a yoga session, they know to calm down, you know, and that's really cool. And, and so for them, they come in, they're like, teach me, Brad, let's go. I'm ready. I want some yoga. I need to chill. And then the others just like, oh, I'm stiff. I'm tight. So it's about changing perspectives and getting to understand them. So about the players and the slow growth piece, they're trying to onboard and build their confidence, build their competence, make them understand that this is going to help you. You might become an athlete from this. That's going to help you on the pitch as a center midfielder in the Bundesliga. What does it look like? What are you trying to do in those first couple of sessions to build a bit of education, to get that person to understand that this is going to help you? At first, I just always thought about teaching in big groups. But the more I go into and dive into this, the more I realize getting one-on-ones with someone is very important. So actually sitting there and figuring out quickly within a matter of five minutes because they don't have time and they don't want to spend that much time, what's their, what are their issues? So I either speak with the physiotherapist or the athletic trainers or the rehab specialist and I try to go, who are some people that are having challenges and what are their challenges? Then I watch them on the pitch. So it's, it's a little more detailed. I watch them on the pitch play. I watch their movements and I see what could be improved maybe, let's say maybe from strategy-wise, their mindset to movement-wise, how much can they bring their knee to their chest or how is their breathing pattern? Is their breathing pattern like this or do they know how to calm down? Are they calm on the pitch or are they not? And then when I see that, I go and speak to them, ask them a couple of questions as like a 
say a diagnostic, but an unofficial diagnostic. And then I say, great, let me help you with X, Y, and Z. Give me 15 minutes. Let's work on this and then see how it goes for you. I think this brings up a perception, maybe issue or a marketing issue with yoga, because you've just talked about the holistic individual. You talked about their breathing pattern, their mobility, their mindset, which are all encompassing in terms of yoga as a practice. There's a lot more to it than poses, but on the face of it, for people who don't practice it, it can often seem like it's just a bunch of poses on a mat in a room. How do we move on from that and get more people to understand there's more depth to it. There's plenty more to it. There's more than upward and downward dogs. (laughs) Yeah. I would say more like podcasts like this. I would say getting more awareness to it. I mean, for you've got so many crazy yoga teachers out there that you just sit there and you're like, what the heck i i don't want to be anywhere near that you know it's there's two components to yoga there's the component of the physical aspect of yoga which can be very helpful and very beneficial so many breath techniques so many movements so many positions so many meditations and then you've got this whole spiritual philosophical side which is talking about do this eagle pose with garudasana the story about this man from india and you're like uh no no thanks no 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 get me the hell out of here so i i really think if you take out the spiritual part, if you take in the physicality of it you and you start to uh, work with these things, you see the benefits. But you could also quite easily almost say this is mobility and breath work with an attention on self, with a psychological focus. So this is often the way I teach. I teach very from a psychological basis. That's what I studied in school. Um, and I just go into this realm because it's. I think these things are more connected rather than less connected. You just have to take an Eastern approach. No, no, you have to take a Western approach, not an Eastern approach. You have to take more of this, like, you know, we're not in India, so we don't need to formulate everything towards India. We need to be here now where we're standing and work with what we've got here. And then that builds. Yeah. How can we onboard, onboard is the word I'm using again here, but maybe the older population that haven't come across it and just I can think of my parents right my parents went to Santa Maria Island a couple of weeks ago near Florida and my mom had never really done yoga she's not she would say she's not the type she's tennis she's triathlons my dad is not the type he's a business guy who sits down and plays golf but they both did a bit and they got a lot from it and enjoyed it but I wanted to keep going now they've only recognized that they got something from it but how can we how can that story become something we hear more and how can we keep that going with people like them? You know, I, I think bringing awareness to the, to find the importance of having a good teacher is beyond important. Have you ever had a school teacher where you just hated them and you fig- you were not yeah. able to get yes. right. <laughs> you, you were not able to get, um, anything out of this out of this class even if you like the subject then you have the teacher that's the best teacher you've ever had and you're like that class flew by and i think there are millions of teachers unfortunately unfortunately there's millions of yoga teachers right now because it's the new next big thing or the big hype and the problem is they're not good teachers and i don't mean that um, egotistically they just they don't they're maybe more focused. A lot of teachers are focused on their own practice and their own movements. And then because they love it, they want to teach it rather than looking at the benefits of what they want to bring to that person. People only start to care when they know how much you care. Yeah. So, so when you see someone, you've got to see them and go, I'm going to give this and this for you, not to you, for you and watch it transform. And that's when, that's when people go, I'm hooked before that. No, because yeah, 
that's how it goes. It's human interaction at the end of the day. And like we said before, it's this like, we're here to belong. We're part of a community. As to how you teach, and we've both gone to classes where sometimes the, uh, very much totally believe what you said and kind of seen that as well in action. When you see instructors that it is all about them or they're demonstrating, they're really just chuffed oh. with themselves. The <laughs> fact that they can do these amazing things and then everyone else is struggling, right? What, what is, how do we, what is it? Is it more important for the for the teacher to be nearly circling the class and making sure everyone can do the pose and then maybe given that demonstration every couple of minutes? What does a good class look like if we're looking for that good class? What is a good class look like? What these questions? Seriously, <laughs> nice. Very, you're very skilled in questions. Um, so uh, I have to I have to like say something negative about myself. When I first moved to Germany, the first thing I did was handstands in every class. I did handstands, I did forearm stands, I did the splits, I did the crazy poses so I could be seen. <laughs> and it and it helped me get the jobs that I needed to get. So it helped me, right. And it helped me make a bit of a name here because Cologne's not that big um, and there's a pretty specific yoga scene. But what was really beautiful for me is I got injured. I tore my shoulder. Then I tore my left butt cheek. <laughs> uh, well, I, uh, yeah. And, um, and these things helped me realize that it didn't mean that I needed to show off all the time. And I really showed off all the time. I really was this. I think I was still a pretty good teacher because I, I'm, I focused on the room. And something that someone told me was always read the room and manage the room. This is one of the best things you can do. It doesn't matter if you're a yoga teacher or a practitioner. Read the room you're in and then adapt your way towards that or bring your energy into that. And so this was always good. But showing off was really my thing to go, okay, come back. And then I realized people don't care about that. They, they do want the demo. They do want the crazy handstand. But first off, they want to move and take care of their body. So I think for a good teacher, taking yourself as, as far out of the picture is really important. And then giving the things that you love to give them is also important, but not with the sense of, haha, you, I can do this, you can't. More like, try this. And then if they, and a lot of them look at you in disbelief. They're like, what the hell was that? I, I'm never going to go from headstand to crow pose back to handstand or something. And that's okay. But uh, the most important part is you give them the inspiration and the strength, the foundational strength and flexibility they need to continue progressing. And then I think they have a bit more fun with it. Brilliant. So we have the great class. We have the good teacher. What can people expect to feel like when they leave the room or maybe after a few weeks, they've been consistent with it? What kind of benefits can people get from actually looking at this practice and making it a part of their day-to-day? I think this is very, that's a very personal question and very individual. So rather than giving a, this is your generalized answer, um, I would say everyone needs to figure out sometimes maybe what they're looking for in a class. I mean, yoga is not supposed to be about goals. This is the other spiritual thing. Don't focus on goals. Yet at the same time, there are many things we want to do. Part of yoga is learning how to meditate. That's the goal of yoga meditate. So there is still a goal attached to yoga, in my opinion. So I think depending on the practice, if you have maybe, if you're someone that wants to build strength, right, then, then maybe you start taking harder vinyasa classes and your goal is to learn how to better do these chaturanga, these push-ups, or to be able to last in a class without going down to child's pose and dying in class. <laughs> um, yeah. For others, it's to just get out of their head and to get a little bit more, more calm and, and more in touch with themselves. And this is what it brings. Um, and so I think these are some of, of the benefits, I would say, either relaxation and, and better focus and awareness. I mean, of course, it's going to bring better 
benefits to your joints and to general health and well-being when you're doing every single type of movement that a joint can do throughout the whole body in one class. That's incredible. If we're saying that for, for your listeners, the benefits I think you can expect from yoga are better understanding of how your body moves. If you take the time and if you try not to judge the fact that the person next to you is probably in freaking splits and you have to be okay with that because you know you don't you don't have to be there especially if you're starting and you don't necessarily have to get there either especially if you have other training routines like running sprinting hard sports your body needs to be a little bit tighter for these things so that you can perform better there but i would say this a little bit better understanding of the body proprioception where the body is in space like knowing my hand is back here all right knowing exactly where it is and um, hopefully if you've got a, a good class with like some balance poses too they get a better feeling for how to balance and move with the finer muscles, which is something that's super important as we age. With the influx of online training and apps, and you know, we use them, use them. You've got some amazing content as well, Brad, which we're checking out actually at the moment. Um, uh, thank you. Uh, where's the balance as well? Because you've touched on the class and this person over here doing the splits, but maybe there's that piece of, I want to be able to do that. I'm going to come back and, and, and get to that. So for instance, I probably do, I don't know, 80% at home with an app because of accessibility and ease of access. I don't know about you, Kieran, but where's, yes. that, where's the balance between actually forcing ourselves to go out there and invest that little bit extra time and go to the class? I think if you have a very good teacher, um, online is also more or less sufficient. Of course, it's not doesn't ever replace a live class. But I think if you're 80% online, to be honest, that's that's okay. Taking the 20% to go offline to find a, a good teacher. And I know that's really, that's the challenge, of course. But to find the good teacher that can give you a little bit of a correction in like downward facing dog or some other movement so you get a better feeling. I guess what I've learned uniquely, and I've taught to some of my students that are also teachers, I, I try to tell them when you're online, watch your students, try to demo less. So often you're actually going to see me in a class sitting there, not showing you the poses and watching you move and correcting you as you move. So they're able to listen to my voice and know how to do that pose because of the words that I use. And this takes time. This takes time to develop that community. Um, of course, it's nice to have a demo in the back, but these are the kinds of things that I find um, really beneficial because most teachers also just sit on their mat. They teach the class and say, right leg lifts, bring your right leg forward. So you're not really present. So I'm, I'm sitting here staring at the camera like this and I'm going like, Kiran, roll your left shoulder back, please. And now roll your right shoulder back and now lift your chest and take a big breath in. Good. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then breath out. <laughs> so this is the way that, that, um, I would say, if you're going to find online, uh, also see if you can find someone that gives you some of those tips, but it, it depends for everyone. I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to say my classes are the best because they're, I'm sure there's better teachers than me. It's just, this is the way that I've approached teaching and the way that the people that come to me, I try to approach giving that to them too. Because if you're going to go online, find something that's maybe a little bit more tangible to I'm being seen, I'm being heard. But of course, if you can't get that, find a way offline with a teacher that can maybe correct you or go, go with some questions, go with some questions and go ask the teacher, Hey, I don't know if I'm doing this pose, right? Can you tell me if I am or what's going on? This is so important. I think people don't do that enough. I think there's a big humility piece there for you from you almost putting the disclaimer in before you mentioned good teachers. This is important though, because a good teacher will help the individual that's in front of them and you're given the keys to do that. So 
Thanks for mentioning them pieces. We're after having a good run through of California to clone, looking at what you do with, in the Bundesliga. You had a vision statement a long time ago. Has it changed or is there anything else you've added to it? And what's, what's ahead for you in the next few years? Oh, good question. Um, so it's definitely changed. Um, I, I wanted to travel to, I think, five, different, or five, six, seven different places. And I've almost hit all of them except for Greece. So I'm a little bit sad about this, but that's on my list. And um, now it's changed towards building some more online programs for people because I want to be able to touch people globally rather than just in a city. And that's the beauty of, uh, you know, knock on wood, but that's the beauty of what COVID has done for us. It's made us more global. And um, there's something in the works that I want to do regarding athletic yoga. So this is something I think that would be in the next five years where I can, because I'm still new, I would say more or less to the Bundesliga. Um, I've trained a few professional athletes since 2020, but I'm officially part of Bundesliga more or less since, um, since this year, the beginning of this year. So I would just want to learn. I never thought I'd say this. I'd always thought I knew everything, but I want to learn as much as I can regarding better recovery protocols, re- better movement protocols, maybe better sleep protocols, like like Anna West that you had on here and these kinds of things so that I can better help athletes with some fundamental things that can help them perform better, but also feel better more often, you know? So this is my, I would say this is my future focus. My last question for you, Brad, is we touched on what you're, what you're working on and, and the teaching practice for you, what does what does your week, you know, day to day week like practice look like? I'm a big fan of uh, building my own routines because I've always struggled with this. I mean, I grew up with ADHD, and getting me to focus was the hardest thing in the world. <laughs> so, uh, so meditation really helped me. So I um, recently, and routines change. By the way, I think this is something that I I like to put as a disclaimer. People are so focused. I have my routine every day for five years. It doesn't change. Well you change as a human being. So you might as well change certain things in day to day if those things don't fit your growth as a human. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so for me, I, I now I'm waking up and I'm meditating for about 15 minutes, no matter how much I hate it. But I don't meditate in the bed because the bed is the area where you sleep. So you've already got this classical conditioning again, I'll say, of going to bed in your bed. You don't have, that's not the place to meditate. So I learned this the hard way. And now I meditate somewhere else in my flat for 15 minutes. And then when I have the time, I read something of importance. Like right now I'm reading Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Great book. Great, 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 great book. Yeah. And, um, and then I actually do quite a bit of uh, weightlifting and training right now. I, I, I've gotten very flexible. So now I actually think I'm maybe one or 2% less flexible than I have been in the past. But I think it's super important to lift weights and build strength in the body rather than all this stretchy things that you do from yoga. And so this would be my typical routine. Train, do some yoga, meditate, read. Take, so these take care of my mind and my body. And of course, uh, yeah, walk and have some time with friends to go for a walk. This is physical health and mental health, in my opinion. Thanks very much for all the practical insights. A dive into your career today, what you've done, your life, your experiences we've one more question and it's when we ask everyone who comes on the show what does high performance mean to you brad oh that's a good question and i didn't prepare for this i should have prepared for that <laughs> um i think it means living your the life to the best of your abilities on a day-to-day basis 
So if that means relaxing one day because you have certain things coming up the next day, that means doing this. Bradley Franco, thanks very much for coming on our show, sharing your story. Um, we got loads from it. So, <laughs> David Nam- Kiran, thank you for having me. Namaste. 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 Oh, yeah. Namaste. <laughs> thanks, Brad. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, a story of high performance. This was brought to you by Howora, a whole person wellbeing company founded and run from Dublin, Ireland. Find out more at howoralife.com, spelt H-A-U-O-R-A life.com. Please rate, review and share the podcast. Some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. The GOAT, Michael Jordan. <laughs>